Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Monday, January 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Mockerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, Happy hey, Monday. Hey. Yeah, terrific. No shutdown here. <laughs> no shutdown here. And uh, to our dozens of listeners in the Philadelphia area, uh, we know it's going to be a few days before you're actually listening to this one because you're probably still partying. Or, or, or in the hospital. <laughs> or, <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I will admit that, uh, so for those who may not have seen this, uh, Philadelphia Eagles won the NFC Championship. They're going to the Super Bowl. They'll be playing the New England Patriots. And uh, one of the fun stories from Sunday morning was about how uh, police in the Philadelphia area were taking huge tubs of Crisco <laughs> and greasing the poles, the light poles, in Philadelphia because they thought, well, win or lose, there's a chance people are going to be out on the streets, and we don't want we we want them off the poles, and uh, it didn't appear to work <laughs> so well. The people are still up there, and I just, so I I will confess that uh, I looked at this through the business <laughs> land, and I was like, wait a minute, who owns Crisco? Uh, Procter and Gamble. What's their <laughs> stock doing this morning? Because that's a little bit of a brand hit there for Crisco. Um, we're going to get into uh, some earnings. Uh, both in energy, and we're going to get into some some pretty interesting guidance from the apparel world. We got to start with the story that was rumored and reported last week, and is now official from the world of biotech, and that is that Celgene is buying Juno Therapeutics for around nine billion in cash. Um, Jason, you and I were. Uh, Going back and forth on Slack this morning about this deal, and uh, you pointed out that because uh, this was one of those things, these are not companies I watch closely, right? And uh, but uh, I always wonder anytime there is an acquisition deal, one of the first questions that always pops to mind is about the price tag. Yeah, what was the price tag like? How is the price tag viewed? And at least in your mind, Juno Therapeutics just. Got a hell of a raise. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that Christine will give a far more educated take on this, given that this is really her wheelhouse um, on on industry focus. I imagine she's going to be covering that. Um, yeah. Yes, and for anyone uh, who missed it last Wednesday on Industry Focus, uh, Christine Hargist, uh, they this is when that story first started to get reported. So um, uh, they were talking about this last week. I'm, yeah, I'm sure they're going to hit it again this week as well. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's it's. Seems on the surface, I mean, it's a pretty cut and dry deal. Juno has something that Celgene wants, and so, you know, yeah, Celgene seems to be paying through the nose to get it. I mean, I think really the more interesting question to ponder on on deals like this one is sort of what it means for the future of healthcare. And so, I mean, Juno Therapeutics is is known for a pipeline of cancer drugs, and and I think this is something that adds a lymphoma treatment to their to their Pipeline that's expected to gain regulatory approval in 2019, but but I think about 
sort of how deals like these will shape the future of healthcare. And ultimately, I mean, it just means that the cost of business is going to keep on going up. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon because when you look at the economics of the deal, I mean, Juno's trailing 12 month revenue is just a little bit over $106 million. And I mean, they're losing money like a Silicon Valley startup. And so to buy this company and you're implying that the market cap is somewhere greater than $7.5 billion, I mean, Celgene is going to want to realize a return on that investment. And the idea is that they're going to realize that return for many, many years to come in the form of uh, being able to really wring a lot out out of the the cancer treatment that likely will be approved at some point or another. And I mean, I'm not saying it's bad for healthcare. I mean, ultimately, this is you know good for healthcare in that we we see advancements. But it, it's sort of that difficult balance they have to strike, right? Because <laughs> it seems like you don't want to have to go tell someone that in order for them to to be cured of cancer, it's going to cost them a million dollars. I mean, it's very difficult to find to put a price tag on life, and I think that that's where these these companies really sort of have a tough time. And and I don't think that's going to change really as we're seeing more and more big uh, biotechs uh, really wanting to to make offers quick, not to miss out. You know, they're trying to get as much as they can in their pipeline. And for Celgene, I mean, they have the they have the money to do this. Let's move on to Halliburton. Fourth quarter revenue came in higher than expected. Stock is approaching a 52-week high, Taylor. And uh, also part of the equation this morning was their guidance for uh, well the fiscal year that mm-hmm. has just started. How optimistic was their guidance? I mean, when you look at this company, yeah, they, they smashed the fourth quarter, and it follows Schlumberger announcing um, better than expected results as well. And it, it's that's falling on the tail of increased U.S. production expectations of over 10 million barrels per day hitting that mark in February, which is earlier than many people thought in 2018, rising to over 11 million barrels per day in 2019. So, U.S. production not abating, um, reaching records that people say in 2019, and Halliburton is um, the number one equipment and services provider to shale shale producers for oil and natural gas in North America. So, when you when you consider production continuing to ramp up, uh, expectations of North America and the United States in particular becoming the largest natural gas exporter by 2020, um, that's where I think you can look at a company like Halliburton and really get excited about at least the next couple years. Unless again, producers get out ahead of themselves too quickly or demand is less than people have expected, and you, you impact the prices as what we saw in 2014, 2015. Um, prices have come back a little bit, though, uh, and that's encouraged more drilling to the benefit uh, of Halliburton and its peers. Where is because the energy industry is so like healthcare is so massive. Where is, in your opinion, the most interesting place for investors right now? Is it in the services side? Mm-hmm. Is it is it oil and gas? Is it solar? Any sort of alternative? What what do you think is the most intriguing? Yeah, I mean, if you want exposure to both oil and natural gas, I look at the services. But um, personally, I, I like the prospects of natural gas much more than oil over the long term. So I would be looking at maybe a pipeline that's more exposed to natural gas or some of these companies that are um, either currently or uh, have some exportation capability under construction. So Chenier Energy, the only company that's actually exporting uh, liquefied natural gas at this moment, but there are others that have some facilities under construction and, and about to come online in the next year or so. So if you look at those two, I like natural gas a little bit better, but you can't you can't write off um, solar and wind power. So I think that's going to continue to chip away. 
before we move on, I want to say thanks to our friends at Rocket Mortgage. Uh, look, if you're getting a mortgage, if you're refinancing your existing home loan, that's a lot of paperwork, and that's just such a pain. It's We've talked about this, Jason. Have you ever signed your own name more times in one sitting than I when you not. actually go out and I <laughs> get a mortgage? And I, and I actually used to do that for a living, too. So I've, I've witnessed it on both ends, and it's just not. You've sat good. across the table and said, yeah, and there. <laughs> yep. And, then oh, I, and there, too. And yep. the no, next page. Well, you could take back one. Yep, you missed that one. When you're doing it, you want to be as confident as possible. And Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. It allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. So, to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Here's something that we rarely get to say out loud. Abercrombie & Fitch shares <laughs> up more than 10% this morning. The company raised guidance for the fourth quarter. How good was this fourth quarter? I mean, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for any retailer that has a good holiday season, because it's such an important part. Maybe slightly less so for apparel retail than, say, toy makers. But still, you tell me, how, how, how optimistic should we be about this company that we've been, let's, be, let's face it, we've been very pessimistic about in the past? <laughs> hey, man, listen, the market is, is feeling pretty good about these guys, too. If you look at over the last 12 months, this stock has come close to doubling, which yeah. is pretty phenomenal when you think about it. But by the same token, 12 months ago, it was, it was really scraping the bottom of the barrel for good reasons. And so, I mean, I think that when you look at uh, the the guidance that they've uh, adjusted for today. I mean, it, it sounds like same store sales are a little bit better. It sounds like sales were a little bit better, and so that all in all is good. Um, on the flip side of that, nothing really has fundamentally changed here either. I mean, this is the same challenged business with top line pressures, with margins that are shrinking. With zero competitive advantage whatsoever, and so I mean, it, it, it's great for them. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of belittle their their success there. It's good to see that they're uh, doing something right in the face of a good retail environment. But again, I mean, I think this really speaks to the challenges of investing in businesses like these. I mean, would you twelve months ago have have bought shares of of this company if we said, hey, listen? I mean, I know it looks like these guys are going bankrupt, but I got a feeling. Because that's all you could have said at that point was, I have a feeling. There was nothing to tell you, uh, really, that that even even mediocre uh, performance this quarter would would have been uh, something we would have seen. And I don't think that this fourth quarter is like an outlier. Abercrombie and Fitch did something spectacular. Like retail sales for the holiday season had the biggest jump in six years, year over year. Um, so, it's it was kind of sector-wide, technology, apparel, and toys um, all had a great holiday season. So, uh, like, I don't think Abercrombie & Fitch is necessarily uh, an outlier here. And that's a great point, though. I mean, you don't want to look at, at guidance like this and think, oh, wow, these guys are taking share. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's not what they're yeah. doing. They're just less bad. <laughs> right? It's just less bad than what we thought it was. But, I mean, these, these retailers are just notoriously difficult. They're they're doing better than than maybe we thought they would have done a year ago, but it's still still not great. So part of the story with Abercrombie and Fitch this morning, and and I'm not suggesting that this is what is moving the stock. It just got noted in in the news is that Arthur Martinez, who's the chairman of the board, uh, is stepping down at the beginning of February. Um, long career uh, in retail, uh, had some good success in Sears. Uh, 
he's 78 years old. Yeah. And, yeah. and the person who's going to be filling the, the chair is, is 72. Now, I, I, they have their hand on the pulse of teen well, fashion. So that's that's what I'm wondering about because I look I look at this and I think to myself, isn't the move here because Aber and Crombie and Fitch, uh, to your point, Jason, may not have many competitive advantages. There there is still some brand cachet there. I'm not saying it's enormous or even as as high as it would have been maybe 10, 20 years ago that sort of thing. But there is. Still, some brand cachet there, and I look at this and I think of a company like Walmart, which is so much bigger mm-hmm. and so much harder to turn around and get into e-commerce, um, and and the way that company has evolved over the last, particularly over the last two to three years. I look at Abercrombie and Fitch and think, there's no reason the right person running this company can't get Abercrombie and Fitch to the point where they are. Steadily profitable quarter in and quarter out, and I don't know. I just yeah, no, I, 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 I just sort right. of feel like the 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 move here to a company Arthur Martinez is stepping down, and we are beginning a nationwide search to find someone younger, someone bolder. Um, and I'm blanking on the the name of the woman who um, who started Stitch Fix. Yeah, uh, oh, but yeah. but just the the way that she grew that business. Um, when it was a private company, um, uh, I mean, why why I, why aren't they making some sort of a Godfather offer to her? <laughs> well, okay, so I mean, they they do have a CEO in place who I her, I, her name I'm forgetting her name, but I know she's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50, 52 years old. So maybe you know, I mean, she has I think plenty of retail experience as well. So that that is a a benefit for for Abercrombie and Fitch in that case. I mean, this is going to be a non-executive chairman. Okay, and and I think that. Yeah, and I mean, a chairman is going to have only so much to do with the business versus what the CEO is doing. But I think that you are right in that. I mean, this this is a business that can certainly exist and be kind of what it is, right? I mean, this is not going to be some big behemoth retailer. And and I think that uh, I mean, we look at just six months ago. I mean, they they announced that the company was no longer for sale, right? And if you recall, we talked about that on this show. The stock had tanked. It was it fell below ten dollars, and we thought, wow. I mean, what what's their next card? And and so since then, they've you know tried to dig in. Embrace e-commerce a little bit more. Perhaps leadership is is figuring out ways to to sort of diversify beyond that Abercrombie and Fitch brand, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for them. Is I think that with the younger consumer today, our kids, you know, who are now sixth, seventh, eighth graders, this Abercrombie and Fitch brand doesn't carry the same sort of meaning as it once did, thanks to companies like Stitch Fix and others that are out there sort of taking share in this sort of newfangled retail environment. And so I think that that's going to be the biggest challenge they face. And honestly, when I look at the stock's performance, how it's done over the past year, when I think about the general market conditions now, I mean, I'm going to sound a little bit like a saying this, but I kind of look at this thing and think maybe I should short it, you know? It's. It seems like the stock is is just it's it's detached from the fundamentals of the business. It's still not profitable. The top line is 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 not accelerating. It's 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 falling. So they are still faced with a lot of challenges that I don't think the stock price the stock price reflects today. And so I sort of look at this and I think, man, I. I it, it, good for them on the quarter that they had the numbers that they're turning in. I, I appreciate the fact that they're seeing some some success there. I, I don't know that. 
this makes me feel any better about this stock. And honestly, I kind of wonder if the opportunity isn't on the other side. Katrina Lake uh, is the name of the founder of Stitch Fix, and uh, just looked up. Fran Hurowitz uh, has been CEO for just under a year at Abercrombie and Fitch, and as you said, you know, much younger than Arthur Martinez. And her first year, stocks done well. But to your point, I think this is a situation where. She's got to have a repeat performance of that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying go out and short the stock either. Please understand, I have no position in the stock one way or the other, and I'm I'm not going to oh. take one. And I'm, you know, I could be totally wrong, and I think that's the most difficult part about shorting is you may. Your logic may be very sound, and the market can still stick it right to you, right? I mean, you just Unlimited shorting is downside. very difficult. <laughs> yeah. But I just I look at this and I try to see the upside there. It just they have a lot of work to do to really justify where that stock is today. Every apparel stock that we talk about on this show has had at least a 12 month period over the last seven eight years where that stock has crushed it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what that stock is doing right now. We have seen 12 month periods where Abercrombie and Fitch. American Eagle, Gap, you name it. They've they've had short stretches of time where they've really done great. So yeah, all the more reason that you don't want to you don't want to just bet on one of them going south automatically because they've all proven to have the ability to have a good year. And as great as Abercrombie and Fitch has done this last twelve months, they're still down almost sixty percent in the last five years. So almost a double, still down sixty percent over a long time horizon. Timing is everything, right? That's right. That's just right. Saying. Timing is everything. <laughs> Jason Moser, Taylor Muckerman, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. You got it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fully. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>